Today's episode of Azure Lunch is sponsored by the Microsoft New Zealand Partner Hub. If you are building software or providing services related to Microsoft products, then you should check out the Partner Hub for training, advice, and a heap of resources, including the Partner Practice Playbooks, and you can get them at aka.ms slash nzpartnerhub. I'm Daniel Larson, Senior Technical Evangelist at Microsoft, and I'm joined by Matt Simpson, also Senior Technical Evangelist at Microsoft. We work for Microsoft, but these opinions are our own. Hey, Matt. Hey, Dan. Long time. Long time since we last spoke. Yeah, it's been a while. It has. We've been busy. You've been busy. Yes. You managed to soldier on without me. I did, I did. We had a a great chat with Ben Chartrand, uh, which was was really good. Yeah, it was awesome. That's yeah. cool, and we've just recorded one with Fashesh, which we'll tell you about in a, in a little bit. Which um, mm, awesome! That's going to be a great ep. But uh, what have you been up to, mate? You've been burning the midnight hours. oil. Oil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Yeah, um, yeah. I've just been super busy with a, a customer project that we're working on. Um, just yeah, moving them to a serverless-based system for some of their back-end processing. Um, using media services and all good stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's it's been fun, but um, yeah, we're kind of under a bit of a time crunch, so it's been some some late nights and early mornings, but yes. um, getting there and almost there. And how's .NET Core? Amazing. Yeah, loving it. Yep, it's been it's been great. Um, the uh, yeah, loving getting back into Visual Studio again, and you know, I mean, I don't I don't code for a living anymore, but it feels like I have been <laughs> over the last couple of good couple one, of days. Man. But yeah, it's it's been it's been really good, and just yeah, the the tooling there's been really great, and it's great to see the some of the new new advancements there, just making making my life easier for sure. Visual Studio, fifteen point nine, yes, update amazing. Mm. I've, I've just um, been working with that as well, and, and .NET Core, and I love you know the the rules and the hints and the IntelliSense just gets better and better, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's it's a, yeah, it's definitely a, a real step up, and um, build times are quicker, and just that inner loop dev cycle for me, just on my machine, being able to do stuff, it's great, and just some of the plugins as well. Like um, the big thing that I've been working with is around managed instant managed service identity, sorry, which is basically uh, the ability for me to have a Azure function running using an Active Directory principle in the cloud, mm-hmm. so it can use that auth, and I don't have to worry about any tokens or anything like that. I just I just consume the service. Um, but the great thing is that Visual Studio plugs into that as well now. So it right. can get me a token and do all the jazz that I don't need to worry about. Um, yeah. And then when I ship my code, um, it will it'll run, it in the, run it in the cloud and, and use that identity as well. So it's actually logging into Azure as me, yes. um, and then getting a token and then and using that. So it's, it's been, been really great, and something I didn't know that was available, so it's super good. And from an exec summary, point of view that means faster productivity yeah totally or faster time to market yeah but also not me you know mucking around on my machine yeah. unpicking security yeah. because I want to test something you know I get the full benefits of, of you know it runs on my machine but it also runs in the cloud which when we're dealing with these you know new stuff like with that in particular using that um, you know pseudo auth system is, yes. is actually really really important that we we get that right and make it just easier for the developers it's right? got to be easy because if the risk is if it's not easy mm. then you might be tempted just to leave that bit till later 
Yeah, or just start unpicking it and, you know, then having to re- remember to put it back in and then, you know, that's where we, we don't want to, you know, credential, you know, leaks are big big problems and security is obviously a massive play. So, that's yeah, it's, it's been super helpful for me and really um, able, able to get something working on my machine which saves, saves so much time in, in terms of that loop cycle where I want yeah. to just, you know, slowly iterate and get my test done and, and make sure it works before I, I start pushing it out and then, and then building it in prod. So, yeah, it's been really good. Beautiful, and you'll be happy to know. You know all that time that you spent learning TypeScript so you could work on my on my bot project. I I try to forget that <laughs> time of my life. To be well, I've fallen back in love with .NET Core again, and I've actually ported the whole thing back to .NET Core. That. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that was crazy because that was a bit of a labour of love for you. So it this was. is uh, your your kind of side hustle that you yep. got me involved, wrote me into. Yes, yes, um, that's right. Make your side project your day job. Yeah, that's that's that would be awesome. Uh, but you know, <laughs> I, you know, there was a labour of love for you. You you know, you were writing tests. You had mocker. You were doing all sorts of TypeScript yeah. stuff. Yeah. I had to learn all that because I hadn't. You know that. Would pass me by really that that yes. kind of whole whole part of my life. So um, so you got me to learn that, and now we're back to we are yeah That's yeah. Great. So hopefully so. that was time well spent, and <laughs> you, know, you learned some good stuff there. But it's all Vishesh Oberoi's fault. Um, he sent me a link to the new .NET framework. Um, sorry, bot framework V four. Yep. And in particular, uh, this is actually also available in, in V three. But just the ability to be able to be able to very quickly set up um, OAuth connections with loads of different OAuth providers. So OAuth is open authentication. It's a way that we've finally standardized how we manage authentication across different providers. So for example, you might log in with Twitter and you might log in with, with Microsoft and you might log in with... Yeah, you see those prompts, Uber. right? Every, you know, every, all, the all the sites have got them. You know, you, you go up to a new site, they want to register, also yes. sign in with Facebook, also sign in with Twitter, GitHub, yeah. Microsoft, those accounts, right? That's what you're going I'm talking about right those, exactly the, those are the OAuth providers I guess yes and I've I've spent many hours writing OAuth provider libraries to consume in particular the Spotify library which is what I've been working on and the good news is that's now a drop down box in the in the, in the bot framework on Azure well, there you go you can delete so all again, that code yeah. that you've uh, <laughs> so meticulously crafted so you know that's great right? so yes uh, but so that's the thing with our job right and yeah. that's the thing with technology you kind of got to embrace that if you I mean some people I do see some people hang on to it too much and yes. it's like you know yeah, don't get too caught up in the moment. Yeah, it's bad. You're having a bad time now, but essentially all this code's going to be removed because somebody's going to come along and, and just write a library for you or, or a better way, a new way of doing it. So yeah, you know, don't yeah. get too caught up in the moment. No, that's right. So, yeah, I won't talk about that too much because, as I said, we've got Vishesh yes. Oberoi coming on the next episode. Uh, we just recorded it, and that is a fascinating discussion mm. in terms of, what are we calling that? Cognitive... AI. Yes, conversational yeah. AI. Conversational so AI. So the evolution of it and how we're kind of moved on and, and how yeah how bots have you know evolved I guess. And yes. That's, that, that's kind of what we talked to and we're lucky enough to have Vish because he's um yeah. he's just about to uh, jet off and leave us but yes. um, staying with Microsoft but, yeah. but yeah he's going to talk about that and his new role as a as a program manager for that um, and and it's got some really good insights into what does it take to build an SDK. Mm. Which I found really interesting. I'd love to do another episode just on that. Yeah, yeah. That's how the teams take because that's you know again developing in the public now. It's it's, it's kind of interesting, right? And you know we're we're seeing that well, again. Just going back to .NET Core, right? We're seeing mm. that in in terms of um, you know it's developed in the open. It's a, it's a you know, we're doing community standups. We're doing all those kind of things where you know people are actually actively participating and getting their ideas out there. And mm. you know you can go and see what's happening in in V three, which is about to 
ship soon. So, you know, and that's all been done, you know, on GitHub in the open, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay, so you were telling me that you had been writing a, a blog on WebAssembly and Blazor. That, that's, has that been a, a work in progress? We talked about that way back in episode two, didn't we? We, talk, we keep talking about this. And I think, didn't you talk about it with Ben last oh, yeah, time? Because right. um, Cloudflare is now um, supporting WebAssembly. WebAssembly is this emerging, uh, I guess, emerging technology. So we're, we're yeah. and yeah, you, you and Ben talked about it a lot. So yeah. we're now actually seeing this evolve into web based um, framework. So I can now, as a .NET developer, um, which is great, start writing um, code that I can pick up from from years ago and take my all that stuff I learned um, before you know the JavaScript revolution overtook me, and and I can bring that now back and and, and make a reactive uh, website using the Blazor technology, yeah. which is essentially um, something that the Microsoft team have worked on, um, still in experimental phases, but they're shipping hard. They pushed out just V7 the other day, so uh, they're pushing it pretty hard. It's taking our um, Razor technology, so our Razor templating language, which essentially allows you to write HTML and then have that um, with some um, nice options for, uh, you know, injecting uh, C sharp into it, uh, and then and then building up and rendering web pages. So it allows mm. you to take those and then take it another step, rendering it down to WebAssembly, which then again is like assembly language. Um, really means you can do some some crazy stuff in the browser, browser and really ex- exploit that and work work that um, work that engine in the browser. Um, mm. Do some crazy stuff, um, do it quickly, and obviously you know. Take all of that, um, all that stuff you're pulling down in script files. That can all kind of get compiled down a lot smaller, uh, faster. You know, it's just a better, better user experience. At the end of the day, is kind of the, the headline for it. Is it fast? Yes. Really? Super fast. Wow. Because it was was pretty slow load times there for a while, but yeah, I think going. some of the yeah, just some of the Blazor stuff's been. It's obviously like it is an experimental phase, and they're yeah. still they're still trying to work on that. But again, a lot of that is actually to do with Mono. Um, which ah, is the, yeah. the open source, mm. I guess, runtime for, for, for .NET and C Sharp. And um, they're using that uh, as, as the power behind um, moving it to WebAssembly. So yeah. there's been heaps of revs on Mono um, to try and push Great. that and get it quicker and stuff like that. And they're already reporting like 5x load times and things like that. And so it's, it's just going to get better as they get into it. It's, just, it's still early days, uh, early days for that team and that product. But, yeah, it's already, it's already making waves and we're, we're seeing, certainly seeing it um, yeah, just catch fire at the moment. It's great. Very cool. And so what was the example used in your blog? I built a – when I was presenting uh, way back uh, – oh, feels like a year ago, but it was only probably last month. Uh, <laughs> so I was presenting at the Future Now conference and we were doing um, – I just wanted to – to take an example where we're doing textual analytics. So I was doing textual moderation. Um, and I was, you know, doing form submission, uh, pushing that up and, and searching it for PII. So if somebody was, you know, accidentally put their credit card details in or, you know, things like that, we can, nice. we can use the cognitive services to pick that up. And I didn't want to just, you know, I could have just done file new project and spun up something that I was familiar with, but I think my remit's always been trying to learn through through actually using and, and using the new stuff and, and testing it out, not just you know um, reading it on the web. So mm. I decided to use use Blazor for that, and yeah, I borrowed some some Razor pages off the .NET architecture site, um, ported those over um, the old eShop eShop on web um, oh, wow. library. Yeah. I just borrowed their style sheets and and their kind of idea behind an e-commerce site, and just. Just put some Blazor bits behind it and made a made an API. Um, put it in a storage account 
cool. and uh, Azure Function. So I made it completely serverless as well. I didn't. I can. So that's that was kind of cool as well to be able to run .NET client and a, a .NET API. Um, completely serverless yes. and have it full end to end, which was super good. So just pause there and tell us about eShop. eShop, <laughs> eShop's amazing. Um, eShop's the dot, so yeah, it's the .NET reference architecture site. Yeah. So what those uh, what the team did um, was decide to actually you know when they talk about these reference architectures and these examples that they're doing yeah. is let's build a working model working a working piece of code yes. that people can actually browse through they can you know just git pull git clone and actually you know f5 build it and get it running yes. and it's a full working example and the amazing thing that they've done is they didn't just build you know the, the shiny new thing in 2.1 they one they they've they've got that for sure yeah. but they've also got a monolithic example right. they've got a web example they've got mm. container example and really kind of just showing that you know as we talked about before you know .net is the targeting .NET as the platform, yes, and then being able to run it anywhere, uh, and then just kind of having a referenceable um, site that you can look at that, that shows you how to do this. That's good, and we talk a lot about um, you know cloud patterns and architectural patterns, and there are some really terrific examples of, of some of those patterns we know and love in there. Uh, the microservices eShop on containers. eShop on containers is the yeah. microservices one. Yeah, it's amazing. Really, really good. And yeah. they're showing eventual consistency. They're doing CQRS in there? or They do sourcing? do some CQRS, yeah. and some event sourcing, and some really, really good solid architectural patterns around how to how to do that. And yeah, the event sourcing stuff in there is really, really good. And mm. just their whole their, their factory patterns and just the, yeah. how they build their entity models and API stuff API like gateway really and all great. that. Yeah, really, really good. And it's actually, it's great because you can kind of, if you're not familiar and you don't know what mm. we're talking about, then mm. it's really great because you can actually go and kind of reverse engineer it. And if you, if you yeah. understand it, and the great thing is that it's a working example mm. and another, you know, shout out for Visual Studio, download it and you can actually step through it. You can mm. start, you know, going back and referencing, looking up uh, all, it, all it was and basically step through the execution path to find out where things are going, which is which is huge, right? So mm. it is a working, a fully working um, um, yes. prototype. Yeah. So check it out. That's on GitHub. If you go onto GitHub and just search for eShop or eShop on containers or or one of those variations, you'll, you'll find those projects that are actively maintained. We know people who work on them, they're, they're amazing. So uh, a big shout out to them. And that's really good if you're on the solution architecture journey and you, you know, you're like, well, how do we actually, what's a concrete implementation of this pattern? There's some really good examples of that. So that's, uh, that's all really good stuff. I want to go back to, to .NET Core and you know, .NET development in general, because you and I, we've been having some really Good discussions over the last week around testing and you know integration and and how do we protect ourselves from you know other systems and I know the work you're doing at the moment is integrating with with a very large system. Do you want, should we talk a little bit about that in terms of those those testing techniques and and, the, and that approach? And what yeah, we've been doing? that was key for me. I mean, my question to you, um, you know, for the benefit of the listeners, was how do we you know the paradigm shifting a little bit because we're moving mm. towards um, you know we're talking about more serverless functions, things you don't necessarily have control over and you know we can unit test our code which is essentially you know unit testing the methods but you know if I've got a chain of activities that potentially could be over a period of say you know in my example half an hour Mm. um, all these things happen things might not happen Uh, I might get one response back from the service I might get another response back you know how do I how do I test that in a in an easy way and and should I be you know what, what what what's the kind of what's my journey to 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 testing that Mm-hmm. That's right, and you know we we should all write unit tests absolutely. Yep. And there's you know there are fantastic books and, and practices around that. One that I highly recommend is the Art of Unit Testing by Roy Oshiro, um, which is which is very good. And 
However, we, we can't we don't always have time, you know, to, <laughs> to have perfect coverage of unit tests. And you know, I'm not saying don't. If you've got time to do it, then absolutely do it because unit tests, in my opinion, are one of the most valuable forms of testing. But if you don't, we can, we should start to reach further up the testing pyramid for things like integration tests and be a bit more open to you know some of those I call them high value you know uh, tests where we're actually finding something that's valuable um, valuable to test in our code that you know generally that's around a question of I want to know if something changes you know or if I want to uh, I want to know if someone accidentally goes and changes the intent because um, it might method. not be you as well, right? And this yeah. is the kind of thing that we were talking about. Yeah. How do I protect myself from somebody else, uh, you know, upstream, an upstream provider, maybe it's the external party you're talking to, all of a sudden decide to uh, change something or not tell you or, you know, something slips, then how do you protect yourself from that, right? That's so, right. Yeah. And some, some good techniques around that is to test on the borders, is to put um, integration, big, big fat integration tests around, you know, controller entry points or, um, you know, the, the static entry point for your function and things like that. And and that, that means you can start exercising that code and see what breaks. The other thing I find works really well in combination of that, and we were talking about enforce invariance, uh, which is a domain-driven design pattern um, out, of a, out of that fantastic book. And the idea is that if you've got a domain model object or a model object, that model object should be able to enforce its own invariance, which is another way of it saying it should know uh, when it's valid. You know, And, and so something that, that we did together was write a, a little method there. On the model object itself, um, that would make it a domain model object technically, and then we can say, well, it must have an ID, yeah. or it must have a date that's in the future, or there's something that we just want to enforce before we before um, it transitions state. And that's a very powerful model because if you combine uh, that enforce invariance, which is essentially self-testing code, with those very large integration tests or, or system integration tests or API tests that are exercising the code, then it's the code that tells you when something's broken, and I, I find that's really powerful. It was super useful for me because I was getting into some, you know lovely null reference <laughs> errors um yeah. but downstream as well and i knew that you know and the thing that you pointed out to me was that as soon as we can bring this up you know further up the chain further up the stream have it self-test it um you know i know that i need to have that and i don't you know because i'm now you know three functions down the chain you know 10 minutes have passed and my you mm. know object actually got created right down the start and it, it was it might have been you know garbage in garbage out that was the that was a kind of message, but actually, no. Getting to the state where I knew that was mm. was was causing me some some problems. So that was a really great um, technique and tip um, that helped me out no end. So mm. yeah, that was really good. Good stuff. Looking forward to hearing uh, more <laughs> more stories from that journey. Yeah, and also yeah, we'll, we'll be talking to more people in the community as well. And and uh, and don't forget Azure Lunch uh, Lunchtime Meetup, which is still going strong. And and um, you know we've got that booked up till next year, which is really cool. Yes, yeah, so we always. Yeah, sorry, we've got uh, Marcus coming in. Um, yeah, Marcus is coming in from PageProof to talk about Brilliant. their journey to the oh, cloud. So awesome. that's in December. The, the meetup's Publix. Um, yeah, Azure Lunch time. So um, sign up. It should be good. Yeah. Um, they're going to talk about, you know, they've been using Azure since 2014. Um, so Marcus is going to kind of give us um, his his version of uh, their, their journey to, to where they are today. So it should be, should be super interesting there and there. A great, great um, Kiwi success story there and Absolutely. some really cool tech that they, they have as well. So yep. this should be fascinating. Big shout out to Gemma and Marcus. Hmm. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. No worries. Thanks, Dan. See you next time. Cheers.
Today's episode of Azure Lunch was sponsored by the Microsoft New Zealand Partner Hub. If you're building software or providing services related to Microsoft products, then you should check out the Partner Hub for training, advice, and a heap of resources, including the Partner Practice Playbooks. And you can find them online at aka.ms slash nzpartnerhub. Thank <laughs> you.